Welcome to another episode of the Redeemed Man Podcast. The goal of the Redeemed is to provide a supportive community where all men can open up about challenges, worries, and failures, and celebrate their triumphs over those struggles. We hope you find this episode informative, relevant, and most of all, inspiring. Enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Redeemed Man Podcast. I'm Paul Amos, founder of The Redeemed. The Redeemed is a community of men who've come together to discuss life's challenges as well as their triumphs over the difficulties in their life. Today, we very, have a very special guest, our own director, and Nate Dewberry, who's here, and he's going to kick off our topic for the month. Paul, excited to be here and really excited about this topic. For me, if we were not recording a podcast about all the different entities that men or issues that men face, it would be on this topic, which is leadership. It's one of the things I'm most passionate about. I love studying it. I love reading. I love going to conferences and events to just be challenged and strengthened in my leadership because I think it's one of those areas that in so many ways is exhaustive because everybody has something new that they can bring to it. Everybody has stories about how they've approached their own leadership and their organization and their family. And at the end of the day, as John Maxwell says, leadership is influence. And so we all have influence. And so it's, it's pretty cool to see how people leverage influence in different ways. And in the month of October, October, we're going to be talking about leadership for the whole month. So I'm super excited. So I thought it'd be great if we just introduced the topic of leadership and talked a little bit about what you had learned in leadership and what I've learned and just begin to uh, get pique the interest in, in what's ahead. That sounds awesome. I think that we've got an exciting lineup of speakers who'll be coming throughout the rest of the month, uh, and it's great to get to be here and to talk with you about a little bit about what our experiences are like and what we can have seen in our past. Yeah, no, I, and I'd love to start out just by asking you in your own life, who do you feel like has influenced your leadership style the most? Well, I think that there is a natural tendency to have been around the people who grew up and helped formed you, coaches, pastors parents, uh, people who all had a strong influence on your leadership style. I would say that my mom uh, certainly had a strong impact on my leadership. She was uh, kind of the velvet touch in that she was very personable and very much wanted you to learn about people and putting people first. Uh, and her leadership style was one that influenced from the background as opposed to from the foreground. And I think so often we, th we jump immediately to bosses that we had in life uh, you know, I think that throughout my life, I've had a mixture of different bosses, uh, some of whom I have uh, learned a tremendous amount of leadership from and some of which I've been able to formulate my own leadership style uh, because of. Uh, but I would tell you that uh, that I have been very blessed to be around people who have been kind enough to teach me along the way, because I am no as we'll get into, I'm sure here. I have made no shortage of leadership mistakes and learned some of my greatest leadership lessons uh, from the faults that I've made and the things that I wanted to do differently as opposed to getting it right from the first time around. Well, I think it's true of leadership. Great leaders have had to make mistakes. Uh, otherwise, you're not leading Yes, <laughs> because you're going to make some mistakes if you're out front leading. And honestly, that's probably one of the things that if I look at my life, I would say it's probably one of the 
limiting factors in my leadership because I've often been afraid to make mistakes. And so because I was afraid to make those mistakes, I wouldn't jump out and lead in certain situations. And I think that's one of those things that I'm always learning from other people about how to overcome that and how to make sure that my identity is not rooted, that I don't see myself as a failure, that I see it's a, the particular thing I try to do as a failure. Because what I always did was internalizing it became about me. John Maxwell has a great book about failure and, and really that principle of like, hey, it's not you. It is something you're doing that's a failure. It doesn't have to define you as a person. Totally agree. I think that failure and failing forward, which may be the book you're yeah. talking about, uh, I read it myself and certainly have, have lived there, uh, been there and done that. But, you know, as I think about leaders and, and the great leaders in our community, uh, you know, it's so interesting to me that you see leadership through different lenses, depending on the capacity with which people are trying to lead. You know, having grown up and spent 15 years in corporate America, uh, I certainly learned a lot. I started in a commission-only sales force role, uh, and leading people in a commission-only sales force is much like leading people in a religious background in that you have no leverage, no ability to do anything other than motivate people. And it's kind of was one of the foundational places that I began to learn that people are what you have to put first. Mm -hmm. And that if you don't put the people first, you ultimately are going to find failure in the success of the business objectives. Uh, and so for me, um, that was one of the first critical lessons that came out of it and learning from the people in the community uh, and those people around me. No, I definitely can see that. I had a pastor that I worked with at one point in time in ministry that honestly, I would say it's probably where I learned that the most because of his mistakes, not his success. In mm. um, he had a a, a secretary that um, organized his calendar, kept up with things for him, and she literally despised the man. And I remember just taking the time to listen to her and get to know her, and it, it was really hard to see because he was missing an opportunity because he really struggled to to like her and to want to see her as a. Um, bringing things to the table that she could mm. bring. But if you befriended her and you got to know her and take the time with her, she would do anything you asked of her. But because he didn't take that time, man, their relationship was was so strained. And so definitely resonate when you talk about seeing people for people and really leading them for their best. Um, earlier, even before this podcast, I was talking about Walt Disney, and I think about his vision for Disney World and, and Disneyland. And it really was to bring something to people. And I think oftentimes that's where great leaders are successful is they have a vision to provide something to serve somebody. I mean, even in corporate America, when, when we're at our best, it's offering a service that really helps someone to uh, improve their life, improve their, uh, their family, their, their way of living. And when we do that and we have a vision for that, I think people you know, coalesce around it to help people. And it becomes about something that's not just about how much money we can make. It's about how can we help people have better lives? Yeah. I think for leadership vision is at the key, one of the key components to what makes a great leader. I once heard the difference between a CEO and a CFO, a CEO only sees one path to go on. And therefore that CEO blazes a trail in that direction. No holds barred. A CFO sees all the options and therefore they never actually move. And so two very different mindsets in many ways, which make great partners yes. with each other because they they see what the other one does not necessarily yeah. see. Uh, but vision and vision casting, whether it be uh, Walt Disney or anybody else who's put out a grand vision and gotten people behind it, 
You know, I think for a leader, being able to see that vision, being able to communicate that vision, and being able to articulate to people what they need to do to fulfill that vision are all critical components to leadership. But I actually would take a step back and say that before I even get there, one of the most important things is self-awareness and self-knowledge. And for me as a leader, I had to learn some very hard lessons about my own leadership style and my own leadership strengths and weaknesses. And one of the things that I found over time was as I began to understand who I was and I began to understand where my strengths were, I could lead to those strengths. But I also had weaknesses. And one of the things you mentioned with the secretary and the story earlier is that surrounding yourself with people who not only are of great value, but are able to overcome some of the weaknesses that we all inherently have as leaders makes you a better leader, not just because of your own capabilities, but because of the collective whole that you have. And so, you know, for me, it it starts foundationally with understanding your, your own leadership style. And then for leaders, setting that vision and taking it forward. Yeah. Uh, it makes me think about one of my favorite laws in um, the 21 Laws of Irrefutable Le- Leadership. I think about the law of the inner circle, mm-hmm. and I think about who those people you have that really do offset your weaknesses, but also they come along and complement your strengths. Uh, they see those strengths in you. They see those values that you bring, and they're able to encourage that and push you forward. And then you're able to lean on them in areas and go, I'm, I'm not good at this. Yeah. Can you help me with this? Because this is something you excel at. And I think that's really when you think about the ministry of the redeemed, it is surrounding ourselves and getting ourselves in community to where sometimes becoming aware of ourself is getting other people around us that we're willing to listen to and willing to say, hey, have you seen this in your life? And a lot of times because of just the nature of what we've been doing, unless somebody's pointed it out, sometimes we don't see it in ourselves. But when we get in community and relationship with other people, they go, man, this is something you're really good at. It can go with what you're good at as well as your weakness, because sometimes we need that affirmation that we really are gifted in that area. You know, feedback is a gift, and it took me a very long time to learn that. Uh, At the same time, I think I went through a lot of rounds of feedback that probably could have been better provided feedback. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know how well corporate America always does it. You certainly can speak to the uh, ministerial world and and other aspects that I can't speak to. Uh, But I found that feedback in corporate America about performance is so many times jaded by relationship. It's jaded by uh, history. It's jaded by aspirations. It's jaded by tenure. And and those things are all understandable. But I think it's getting better in society today than it has in the past. I think that people are more used to feedback uh, now than they were 10, 20, 30 years ago. I think people are less stoic. I think they're more open. And I think there's a higher expectation to formulate your leadership based on some of the feedback that you receive. I would agree. Even in the church world, I think it's gotten better. Um, From my experience in ministry is in the past, I think there was a, a really a lack of willingness to to open yourself up to feedback. Uh, A lot of pastors, unfortunately, have some major insecurities. And when you're in a role where you're elevated and seem to supposed to have it all together, a lot of times you really insulate yourself if you're not careful and you don't want that feedback. But I've seen ministry grow and change to where now a lot of healthy churches really have that a part of every process that they do Mm. is, all right, how, how did we do in this? 
How can we improve this better? What's my responsibility for it? Taking ownership. So I'm super thankful to even see what's happened within the the church and ministry world. One of the evolutions that I think has been important that we just implemented at the company that I work with, uh, Covey Equity, is a 360 view. You know, so often, at least early in my career, everything was top down and it was a one way view. And so often that was really a reflection of who the leader at the top was, as opposed to what was in the best interest of the organization. But now we're beginning to see where people are reviewed from the top, from the bottom and from the sides. And it really does give that holistic 360 degree view that I think allows you to take in feedback uh, from all levels, but also to kind of get multiple perspectives on where you are and who you are as a leader. No, couldn't agree more. Paul, Kind of shifting gears, what books have influenced you the most in, in leadership? All right. Well, you already hit on the 21 Irrefutable Laws <laughs> yeah, of Leadership. Yeah, the there table. it is right there on the table. Uh, you know, I have had the very the pleasure a few weeks ago of having a dinner. I was at dinner with John Maxwell, and, and he was speaking in front of a large group, and I had a chance to talk to him before and told him that I had spent many a day on stage speaking in front of hundreds of people and uh, and using his laws of leadership. And of course, he's so humble and uh, he, would, he would not do it, but that is just a critical book for me. Uh, a couple of others, um, you know, uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lincioni was a really great one. I really enjoyed that one. But if I want to get off the beaten path and get to the fact that we are here talking a little bit about faith, I love Beautiful Outlaw by John Eldridge. It's the story of Jesus and his personality, but it's also the story of Jesus's leadership style and how he was everything from supportive to antagonistic to a leader to a servant uh, to all different things. And so I would tell you that those are three books that I truly loved. How about yourself? So for me, definitely, as I've already mentioned, The 21 Laws, uh, and then also Leadership Pain, Leadership Pain by Samuel Chan to me is one of the the it's just a great work. It has helped me because I think sometimes when you're in leadership, you can feel um, lonely at the top if you're you know really leading and having a vision for something. A lot of times people don't always understand where you're going, uh, and then also just understanding in ministry world and and church world, there's often a lot of pain that you're carrying, things that you can't share with other people due to you know, confidentiality and make sure you're protecting those people that you walk alongside. And then honestly, you're shepherding and caring for people. And when you do that, everybody doesn't always go the way they should go. Uh, Sometimes they get off the path and that can be very heartbreaking when you're journeying with somebody. And so it's been a great book for me. Um, There's so many others. The, as you mentioned, the five dysfunction of a team is an excellent book. I love leadership. So there's, I probably have just about every book you can get on my shelf. Uh, But for me, there's little nuggets in every one of them. Uh, And that's one of the things I like about it is everybody has a different style. Everybody has a different personality. And you can gain so much insight uh, as you study and you read. Outside of books, for me, podcasts can be really huge. Uh, Love Craig Rochelle's podcast. Being a pastor, I think, again, that resonates with me because he does a great job of talking about leadership. But he talks about in the context of ministry and context of, of leading a church. Um, our own pastor, Pastor Chris Hodges with Church of the Highlands, uh, his podcast, uh, Grow Leader, phenomenal podcast. And then on the secular side, Learning Leader by Ron Hawk is one of my favorite. He has so many podcasts out there, just phenomenal. Get some of the excellent leaders. Um, Intentional Leader uh, by uh, Cal Walters is another great one. He's a, a West Point guy who's a JAG officer, 
uh, and just a, does a great job of getting people on his podcast and love the way he does it. And so those are some of the podcasts that I like as well as the books. What about you? Do you listen to any of that leadership podcast or what other maybe avenues have you had to um, get to know some great leaders? I can overdo things sometime in one particular category. <laughs> so I am a fan of Maxwell's leadership podcast. Uh, but I, uh, Andy Stanley does a really nice leadership podcast. I think, you know, I attended his church uh, while I lived in Atlanta many, many years ago. Uh, and uh, I found Andy to be a really great leader, uh, someone who interviews well and, uh, and, and gives great guests onto his show. Uh, and then Dare to Lead with Brene Brown. Uh, you know, kind of getting a, a female's yeah, perspective. Yeah. Uh, and I think Brene is just so powerful because she speaks with heart, but she speaks with statistics and she speaks with data. And I love the fact that um, I can, there's just nuggets you can latch onto and really hold to that, that she talks through kind of uh, not just when she's interviewing people, but when she's talking about her views on leadership. Yeah. No, that's so good. And your life, Paul, um, who in your, you mentioned your, your mom and the influence. Um, I think that's one of the things when you think about family, I would like to, to kind of let's, let's turn, turn away from the corporate, turn away from leading an organization to how do we lead our family? How do we lead those that we care about the most that probably we have the most influence with? I mean, when, when, when kids are young, especially that we have the ability to, to influence their lives. And you've, you've, shared on our, our show many times just about some of the, the past mistakes, but I would love just the things that you're doing now as a dad that you think, man, I'm leveraging my leadership, my influence in their life to help them take steps in the right direction. Yeah. I, just the three words that jump off the page to me are time, vulnerability, and love. And I think that I've learned that there is no substitute for the investment of time with your children. And as hard as it is, especially having four myself, uh, I can tell you that, you know, it is, it is hard. And I missed a lot of time early on in some of my kids' lives being so career focused. But now I am deeply focused on getting the kids individually and then also collectively so that I can teach them and, and really try to be there for them. Uh, you know, second is vulnerability. Um, I think that the more I show up and I'm real and I don't try to put on my position as an authoritarian or as a, you know, this is what you do and this is how you do it. And there's no reason why I think when I tell my children true stories about what's happened in my life, the successes and the failures of those stories, and I let them see the real me and what I want and how I want to lead them, I found that I'm so much more successful in my leadership when I do that. And then finally is love. I mean, if you can't demonstrate love to other people, I think that especially to your own family, I think they know it. It's, yeah. you know, as my dad always used to say, a dog can tell who, who, who doesn't like them, you know? <laughs> and so if your kid's, can smell that you're not loving them in that moment, they're not going to be open to hearing and seeing, um, you know, what it is that you're there to teach them and, and help them be a leader. And, and so what about yourself? 
Well, first off, I want to say you're crushing it as a dad with Tom. I watch that. Paul practices what he preaches, making sure you're prioritizing that time. And that's not easy. No. I mean, you you have your challenges and how that looks. And and I just I just want to honor you for the things you do of making that time with your kids because you do practice what you preach with that. And I think it shows with all four of your kids and how they love you and uh, how they respect you. And it's it's fun to watch. It really is because I think uh, when you're – when you're raising your kids, it's scary. And at times you can feel like you really don't know if you're, if anything you say or do is going into their brain. <laughs> but from an outsider, I want to just say, Hey, you can see it. You can see it in your kids and it's, it's fun to watch. Well, thank you. I'm humbled. It, it means a lot to hear you say that. And I see the same in you as a father. I mean, you have three amazing kids and they're all following in not only in your footsteps, but seem to be following in your leadership as a man of faith. Uh, and so I truly admire what you're doing and helping lead them in their hearts. Thank you. That That's, you know, for me, it's always been the desire for, from even early on when they were born. Um, for James, Scripture was, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, that he would trust the Lord with all his heart and not lean on his own understanding and acknowledge God in all, he, all his ways. And, you know, I really wanted to see him— um, not necessarily be in ministry, but always using his life to influence the kingdom. And <laughs> that's what I prayed for, for all three of my kids, that God would use them to uh, expand his kingdom, whatever that looked like and however he wanted to use them, that God would use them for that. And I'm so thankful for where they are. I'm thankful for a church who loves them. I'm thankful for family around them who've invested in them. And one of the other things for me is always talking about scripture and making sure that when I talk about why I make decisions that I explain the why. I think I, I remember growing up and not always understanding my parents' why, and I wanted my kids to know, all right, you may not understand completely why dad is doing this or completely agree with it or like it, but here's why. Here's where I'm coming from as far as how I'm living out Scripture because I want them to understand that I have to answer to an authority. That it's not just, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, their dad and the final say, but I have a God who's given me a roadmap for how to live my life. And if I live my life according to that, then, you know, I expect them to follow me, not because I'm, you know, in charge, but because I'm seeking Christ. I'm, I'm wanting what he wants. And that's my desire and all that I do with them. And, you know, it's challenging um, being divorced and having to split time with them, but I'm super thankful for the time that I do have. I'm thankful for the relationship I have and you know, I could not be more proud of my kids as I know you are for yours. It's so much fun to watch them grow and and yet scary at moments where you're like, I don't know if they're getting it, but they are. They are. Well having two out of the house already <laughs> and off at college, you the realization that your level of leadership and influence is drastically different from a young child to a, an adult child. And uh, they are still both sometimes adult children. They're adults moving their <laughs> way into from adult children. And uh, they each have their own incredible characteristics. But you have to begin to shift your leadership with kids as they evolve and begin to lead out of the home. And so I, I'm very fortunate in that I have an 11-year-old who is still very much in the influential stage, uh, a six, soon-to-be 16-year-old who is about to hit the road in a car and uh, and therefore believes that uh, he is uh, he is headed off into the new realm and he's doing an amazing job and I'm proud of him. And then these two amazing older boys who are, you know, 19 and 21 and uh, hard to believe I have a 21-year-old, but, you know, you start shifting the role from parent to friend and, and relational leadership uh, in a way that you don't when they're at a younger age. Yeah. 
No, it's definitely a changes uh, your perspective. It changes how you relate to them. And it's fun because in a lot of ways you really do shift to that friendship, which in some ways can be very relieving because you're like, oh, I've arrived. <laughs> like I, I've got parent to, past the just the parent phase, but now I can actually just you know enjoy time with them and not feel like I've got to to teach them something. I think at the end of the day, we're always teaching. We're always influencing others, no matter where we're at. And that's one of the things I love about leadership and Jesus, as you mentioned in the book with um um Gosh, tell me John Elders, John beautiful Elders, outlaw. beautiful outlaw. Um, thinking about Christ, thinking about the way He modeled leadership. I think about lessons that we can gain from Scripture, from Nehemiah, uh, and the rebuilding of the wall. It took a God, it took God to do a God-sized task, and He yeah. had to depend on that. And you got Moses who said, "I can't do this," and mm-hmm. yet God used him. And you have David who had huge mistakes, and then at the end of his life, really kind of backed away from the responsibility that he had as a leader. And you saw the impacts of that. There's so much that we can gain from scripture. We can gain from each other. And I'm excited about this month and what we're going to gain from the guest on the show, because I'm certain that each and every one of them are going to have different little pockets of information that we can mine and apply to our own life. Yeah. I think it's going to be really exciting. I think, you know, hearing personal examples of leadership that are coming on the show, uh, is such a great way to learn because illustrations and practical examples teach me a lot more than I can necessarily sometimes learn from an academic reading. Uh, you know, I, I was very fortunate to go to a great university for undergrad and I got into one of my first leadership classes and it was more about what was written in a book than it was necessarily <laughs> about how to lead. And I, I found myself craving for the examples. And I think that the great books, like the ones we talked about earlier, really highlight those mm-hmm. specific examples and the people and the the way that they traversed uh, leadership. And I think that the, what we're going to have on the show this month is going to do exactly that. Yeah. And I think I just want to remind everybody that leadership is influence and everybody has it. So if you mm-hmm. if you feel like, hey, this, this doesn't apply to me, it definitely applies because we're leaders in our home and our business and everywhere we go. Yeah, if you're in relationship, you are absolutely in leadership. And so you should be, and you are. And therefore, that, as you said, influence is the critical component. Well, Paul, thank you uh, for this discussion about leadership. It's exciting to know that we're going to be able to hear from some great leaders in the coming weeks. And really, I think this would be a topic we'll probably talk about a lot more. Uh, So look forward to it. Thank you so much, Nate. And let's look forward to this month. Awesome. Let's do it. God bless. We want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Redeemed Man podcast. We hope you come away with this episode feeling energized and better equipped to face life's challenges. Remember to subscribe to the Redeemed Man wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode. Above all, we hope you remember that no matter how broken you feel, God's love is for everyone and hope is within reach.